We'd like to start off today's episode by welcoming two new sponsors to the program. Big Kahuna Burger. Try a Big Kahuna and you'll say, that is a tasty burger. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Red Apple Cigarettes. Take a bite and feel all right. Take a bite of a Red Apple, the official cigarette of Bounty Law's Jake Cahill. You may not know much about these companies, but fans of the movies we will talk about today probably recognize them immediately. They exist in the fictional universe we will tackle in today's episode, a universe that can best be described as from Tarantino till Rodriguez. And welcome back, everybody, to today's episode of Cannon Fodder. My name is Ed. And I'm Matt. And I'm Anthony. Ed, I have to say, I love your NPR voice. You know, here <laughs> we are. We're about to have a podcast that we are talking about one of the most over-the-top, violent, crazy directors in the history of cinema. And he's also one of the most talented writers in the history of cinema. And here you are with your NPR voice that we're going to be talking about how to save the whales and tickle the dolphins. Well, I like to think of it as my own take on K Billy's Super Sounds of the Seventies. Oh, K Billy's yeah. Super Sounds of the Seventies. <laughs> so 70s. nice. So, uh, for those of you uh, who heard in the intro, we are talking today about the work of Quentin Tarantino and Roger um, Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Uh, these two amazing filmmakers build off a literary tradition of authors referring to their previous works. Roger Rodriguez. Yeah. That would have been great. Huh? Examples include Mark Twain, Agatha Christie, and Stephen King. Uh, these two friends and collaborators have uh, peppered their films with so many connections and references that we have decided to dedicate an entire episode to a film series with very few traditional sequels. Uh, and they are rife with competing canons and continuity. So let's get started. Yeah, I'm so excited to be able to talk about this uh uh, both of these directors and the way that their movies intertwine and connect and how they connect and what is the larger story that they're actually trying to tell, 
right? Because Quentin Tarantino has notoriously came out and said that his movies are interconnected and have been since the very beginning. He's always wanted to have a shared universe before, you know, a shared universes became the popular thing, which obviously because of Marvel, they are right now. Mm -hmm. So getting a chance and, and as well as Quentin Tarantino is, is by far my favorite director, uh, just because he's very much the way that I see myself. He was a fanboy. He was just a, a, a movie fan. Like, he just loved these crazy, wonky, weird movies that he would go and see late night, and and he would he would, and then he became one of the greatest directors ever. You know, whether you think he steals or or actually creates with with what he does. Well, he's one of the video store guys. You know, Kevin. He Smith, did. He did work Quentin at a video Tarantino, store. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like it, they they loved working at a video store because it was a way to just learn about movies. That was their film school. That was their education. Yep. What was that about shared universe? Oh, and that's right, and we are here live <laughs> at a shared universe talking about shared universes. It's probably the most meta podcast yeah, that you'll really, listen to it today. Really is, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Brought to you also by uh, our friends here at a shared universe um, podcasting studio here in Eatontown, New Jersey. Um, certainly, if you are in the New York, New Jersey, tri-state area, definitely come down and check out uh, Shared Universe. It is one of the most fun places and educational places. Like, if you have no idea what you're doing and you're like, hey, I kind of want to have a podcast, just come on in and uh, and the guys here will be able to take care of you. Great. Yeah. So let's. So just... are we done with all the plugs? Yeah, so I think that's I think, enough I think plugs. we're done. Oh, no, oh, more... Also, a oh, Carton Brewing, yeah, Carton Brewing. <laughs> located in Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey, official, not official, unofficial beer sponsor of today's show. That is what we're drinking. <laughs> and uh, also brought to you by Mine and Ed's uh, awesome Samuel L. Jackson shirts. Anthony forgot to wear his. Uh, yes, that's correct. I forgot to wear mine. <laughs> I did not get the memo. <laughs> Yeah, so let, let's get started. So, so so let's list out. So we've got Robert Rodriguez, yes. you've got Quentin Tarantino, mm -hmm. right? So before we break it down into going into the separate universe, let's just talk about what are the movies we're going to be discussing today. So we've got Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Inglorious Bastards, Hateful Eight, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Django, Unchained, True Romance, Kill Bill 1 and 2, as one movie, Kill Bill, From Dust Till Dawn, Death Proof, Planet Terror, Four Rooms, Shark Boy and Lava Girl, yeah. Remy and Michelle's High School Reunion, Machete, Machete Kills, Jackie Brown, Out of Sight, Life of Crime, and Spy Kids. That's the best. That's like, <laughs> that is the clincher. Spy Kids. That is the clincher. So how, are you asking, are all of these movies connected? Well, stay tuned, because we're going to get into all of it. And it goes beyond just the ones that people know, which is that uh, they all have the same kind of brands in them. You know? Yeah. Right off the bat, in Reservoir Dogs, Tarantino starts introducing these Red Apple cigarettes and the Big Kahuna Burger. Obviously, we see a lot more of the Red Apple cigarettes and the Big Kahuna Burger in Pulp Fiction. And then just what, what happens is that in every one of his movies, no matter when they're set, be it in the Old West, the 1960s, or today... They, they keep on uh, occurring over and over again. And that's that's one of my f favorite connections. The fact that the kids' movie, Shark Boy and Lava Girl, has a whole sequence where you see a big kahuna burger in it. Yes. So, so yeah. not only is this like like kids' movie about a child superhero, it is not only just connected to From Dust Till Dawn, which is an, an adult movie with vampires. A but very also, adult movie. But also it's a very adult fiction. movie. <laughs> Uh, that 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 scene where uh, Earl McGraw, I, I forget the the actor's name, um, when he gets shot in the back of the head, 
in, uh, in 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 from Dusk Till Dawn. That's what was it. Literally shocked me as as like a child when I watched it. I was like, oh man, like this is not Michael Parks. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Michael late Parks. great Michael yeah. Parks. Yeah. Well, and that and this is great. So you're getting into the fact that Earl McGraw was shot in From Dusk Till Dawn. Yes, correct. his very first appearance in this universe. Right. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I say first appearance because he's then seen later. Oh, yes. he's seen many, <laughs> several, many, times. several times. Many, many times. <laughs> several times. Yeah. So many this, times. This gets into. Um, the thing about this universe is that there is a grand theory of the Tarantino and Rodriguez universes, yes. which is that there are what they call the realer than real universe, and there is the movie universe. Well, I don't know if you can necessarily call it a theory because Quentin Tarantino has come out in an interview and has has right right has embraced it. He's he's like yes, this is absolutely this is so essentially you have the realer than real universe, which is all about you know, the kind of real life things. And then you've got more of those over the top elements. And those are the movies that in the realer than real universe, if those characters were to go see a movie, they would be watching one of those movies. So right. that's why those brands come back. Right. And then so that's why the I guess the theory is that he, he did an interview early on in his career talking about those two universes. Right. And now he's done several films after that. And we have to guess where does that line cross? Right. <laughs> so, that, that's where we're going to get into some of the fodder here, which is going to be great. Right. Because he did that interview, I believe, in 2004. 14, if my memory serves me correctly. Which is pre-Hateful Eight, pre-Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And pre-Django, I think. Wasn't it pre-Django? Uh, Django was? was 2012. Oh, Django was 2012? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so it was after Django. Feels okay. like forever ago. I know, I know. Oh my gosh, any movie feels like forever know, ago. Right? <laughs> in, these, in these uncertain, unprecedented, confusing, unknown times that we live in. <laughs> now who sounds like NPR? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about where we want to break things down. Now, I've I've put together a, a short breakdown of where what movies I think are in what universe and for reasons why. So um, start it off. All right. So obviously Tarantino's first movie, Reservoir Dogs, that's realer yes. than real, right? That's very yep. very everything. You know, even though it's crazy, it's wild, it's ultra violent, it's it's very real. There's no there's no monsters, the, yeah. There's no over the top elements, yeah, yeah. you know, superheroes, yeah, mystical samurai mm-hmm. or anything like that. The most unrealistic thing about that movie is the fact that they're discussing discussing crime openly in a diner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although back in the day, it might not really be yeah right <laughs> that bad. No Twitter, no Facebook, no none of exactly. that. Exactly, nobody right? pays attention to that. So shit. you've got you got Re- Reservoir Dogs. That's in realer than real. Um, right. Followed up by Pulp Fiction. Which also, I would say, is also in the realer than real universe. And has a great connection to Reservoir Dogs. So we got yes. the two brothers. Right. So the Vega brothers. Right, yeah, the, the Vega, Vega brothers. brothers. So you've got uh, Vic Vega, mm-hmm. who is Mr. Blonde in yep. Reservoir Dogs. And then you've got Vincent Vega, his brother, yep. which right. is in Pulp Fiction. So right. Michael Madsen's character from Reservoir Dogs right. is the brother. Right. Of um, John Travolta's character in Pulp Fiction. Right. That's a clear and, connection right there. Quentin Tarantino has, has come out. He actually tried to get a movie made in the 90s yep. that was a movie with those two brothers. Right? Double Vega. V brothers. Vega. Yeah, yep. Double V Vega. And it was going to be like in Vegas, right? No, it was going to be in Amsterdam. Which oh, is Amsterdam. Where that's right. Travolta that's right. That's where is it returning was. from that's when right. you start Pulp Fiction. Right. It was about v their, Vega. Yeah, their adventure in Amsterdam. And then that's Mr. Right. White. Uh, from Pulp Fiction, right? Harvey Keitel's right, character. Right, Harvey Keitel's character. Right. Yep. So, um, he, so he mentions a girl named Alabama. Yes. Which, of course, is Patricia Arquette's character from True Romance. So, from yes. True Romance. So right. he he's, he ma- he makes you know two movies, and right off the bat, you know they're they're already connected. So you know, so he wrote and directed Pulp Fiction. 
Right. And wrote and directed Reservoir Dogs. Right. He wrote Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs, uh, yes. And then, sorry, and then True Romance. Right. Was, True, right. He didn't direct True, True Romance. Romance. That was Ridley Scott's yeah. brother. Yeah, Tony exactly. Scott. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tony Scott directed uh, uh, True Romance. Yeah. So True Romance, obviously, now being connected to Reservoir Dogs, yes. right, would be in the realer than real universe. Yes. Same yes. thing. Super violent, really crazy, very over the top, mm-hmm. um, but not anything that was like mystical. No, no vampires, no super samurai, right. no zombies, no right. none of that, right? So certainly would would put that in the realer than real universe. Um, the other movie that so that he comes out with with Kill Bill. Now he came out in the interview. I believe it was with Popular Magazine. I believe that was the actual magazine. Uh, title anyway where he had this interview so he specifically mentioned two movies being in the movie movie universe one is kill bill the other is from dust till dawn right right Right? so those are the two movies so if the characters from reservoir dogs or pulp fiction were to go see a movie the movie that they would see would be kill bill yeah now very very interesting because i love this because forever everyone has talked about kill bill and her death list five Right. right And and having it be like, oh, it's the Fox Force Five. Yeah. So are what we are seeing in Kill Bill, is that actually Mia Wallace, who is the actress, and it's we're watching a movie of Mia Wallace later in life playing the character that she was supposed to play in the pilot episode that never got made. Or at the very least, we're seeing what became of that pilot. So the pilot wasn't picked up, but right. it went around Hollywood, right. got turned into a movie. As, as things often do. Exactly. Yep. And here's what's great about that too, is that these aren't just movies and a real world. These are movies that only exist because of that real world. So we're going to get into how this real world tends to be more violent than our world. So right. therefore, the movies that are made within this real world are more violent. Right. Yeah. And that also explains why these movies and these real-world scenarios have the same brands. That's why there are yeah, red right. apple cigarettes in both of these. That's why there are big kahuna burgers. Because just like if you watch a movie today, if we go watch a movie, there's going to be McDonald's, or there's going to be uh, you know, Coca-Cola. Yeah, Burger King. Exactly. Like in uh, Iron Man. Yes. Walks out. <laughs> Which I was always, I was always, when I saw that movie, I was always disappointed that it wasn't McDonald's because I felt like McDonald's, because like for the longest time, like the big thing about McDonald's was that no country that had a McDonald's in it ever attacked the United States. Right. Yeah. Right. Or each so, other. Like each it, other. It's or, even, or each well, yeah, other. Yeah. Each other. Two, two, two companies. Yeah. That was that, that broke yeah. up with Ukraine, right? Yeah. yeah. Ukraine, yeah. Russia, they just yeah. ruined the McDonald's piece there. That yeah. was that that was <laughs> that awesome that was that awesome line in the recruit with Colin Farrell where he's got him in the training room and the yes. guy's eating the burger and he goes, You know, no country with the McDonald's has ever has ever attacked the United States. He's chomping on the burger in his yep. face. And he's like covered in piss and tortured. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's great. It's, it's, so I was hoping that McDonald's would have been the brand, but it, it was should actually, have been In-N-Out Burger. Well, it was Bur- in, it was in, Burger King because Burger King was the the well, burger that saved his life. Obviously, so. but I'm just saying it should have been In-N-Out Burger. But yeah, yeah I know, I know the real reason yeah, why. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, Iron bit, Man bit for another time. Yeah, we, I, I digest. So, <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway, okay. So, uh, Kill Bill uh, is in the movie movie universe as is from Dust Till Dawn. Yes. Right? So then you've got some of the other movies that Tarantino has done. So you've got Inglorious Bastards. Now, notoriously uh, not historically accurate. Uh, they end up murdering brutally Adolf Hitler in the end of the movie, which is great. It's yeah. so much fun. So good. It's such a great movie. Um, arguably Tarantino's best. 
Uh, yes. So, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, but in Inglorious Bastards, it very clearly is the realer than real universe because despite the the change in history, this is actually one of those moments that really did change history significantly for the universe right. itself. And yeah. and it's because of that change, and because Hitler died in that way that we see all of these overly violent movies and that's the entertainment that these universes choose to watch right yeah. it's and it's and it's all based off of hitler being brutally murdered in world war 2 instead of committing suicide right but, yeah but we're also talking about just how that ripples into a completely different world outside of just violence right so if world war 2 ends in 1944 mm -hmm. without the complete collapse of nazi germany that right. means that most likely, just like they talk about at the end where they don't want Nazis just walking around and they, and they give... Right, they give you know, them the, the, yeah, the, the scar. The, yeah. yeah. You are going to have a situation where if Germany didn't completely collapse, if rather they came where they where they had to do a complete and total surrender, if they more did a negotiated surrender, you're talking about a country that maybe doesn't come completely to terms with what they had done, with Nazism. Right, You know, right. I mean, one of the right. things, you know, you talk about, you know, getting into modern day a little bit is that... When it came to the Nazis in Germany, there are no statues. They right. outlawed the swastika. Yep. Yeah. They are incredibly embarrassed about that part of, of their history. Yeah. Even the, and they because they completely totally lost the war. Talk about the the Civil War in the U.S. It was still a crushing defeat for the South, but the South didn't outlaw those symbols. They didn't right. outlaw those statues. Not until recently. So so you're talking about um, two different paths, and so maybe yeah. in a world where where the Nazis are definitely the losers and people don't look about upon them as heroes in any way, they don't get that crushing historical, like you are the worst thing ever yep. because you know, they just didn't collapse in, into, into the complete, you know, yeah. Would, would things have been different with the civil war? If Robert E. Lee had committed suicide, if instead of surrendering at Appomattox courthouse, if Robert E. Lee, committed suicide and that's how they ended up losing the war yeah well and there's would would yeah. the south have been more vilified because it almost admits to yeah. all of the the wrong transgressions right. and, and all the wrongdoings right. and then if reconstruction hadn't have been stopped in 1876 you know because you right. look at reconstruction for, mm -hmm. for about 10 years after the the first world war i'm sorry the civil war now we're getting into history here guys yeah, on, yeah. on our but but anyway just real quick after the civil war you saw there was a lot of African-Americans were elected and uh, there was a lot, it was a very, there was no Jim Crow laws. All that stuff didn't happen right after the Civil War. They happened about 10 years later. That's because it was right. resurgence. There's this lost cause myth, uh, you know, gone with the wind. You know, it happened for about right. 40 years. There was this whole thing about, you know, the Southern cause. Maybe the same thing happens in Germany. Or at the very right. least, you're talking about a world that is vastly different. Right. And, and hence hence the importance of the yeah. Juneteenth holiday because yeah. that was when when slaves were really they were informed because yeah. back then there was no internet, there right. was no cable TV. There was like the only way that you had to get messaging across was through the mail. Yeah. Right? And so it took years for people for for African Americans to know, "Hey, wait a minute, we're we're actually free. Now right. we don't have to live under slavery and, and in slavery anymore. And so this also means that if Inglorious Bastards is the past of these movies, right. that like Mia Wallace and Vic Vega, when they went to school, they learned about this team of special forces, primarily Jewish, yeah. that killed Hitler in 1944. That is their history that they're learning <laughs> is, is about the bastards. Exactly. Right? Which is so, it's, it's so interesting. And it, it really, 
like it, it really says a lot to you know how he is shaping the universe and and again what is the real story what's the point of all of his movies being connected what's what's the larger overarching story that you're trying to tell right, right. so that's what we're trying to to really get into now uh, inglorious bastards as we said realer than real so moving there moving on from there going further backwards You've got two movies that chronologically come before Inglorious Bastards. Right. So you've got Hateful Eight, mm-hmm. which is the first one, and then Django, which is the one after that, I believe. I believe, I think it's Hateful Eight came first, chronologically. Well, I yes, think, but it's, chronologically, yes. Yes, but it's only a few years apart. Yeah, it's very, yeah, very similar, similar time. Frame. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, Hateful Eight actually takes place in 1877. And Django takes place when there's slavery. So Django has to be first. Yeah, Django has right. to be so first. Django's okay. first. So Django's first. Not by that far. Because, that far. because remember, Hateful Eight is all after the Civil War. Now, there's right. there's there's a couple of things that I want to talk about here. So in Hateful Eight, uh, there is a direct connection um, to Hickox from, right. uh, from Inglorious Bastards, right? Because... Uh, Eli, or not Eli Roth. What's his name? Um, Tim Roth. Tim Roth. Sorry, excuse me. Tim Roth's character in Hateful Eight comes out at the end, and he he reveals that his name is is Hickox. Right. Right. So he's he is the ancestor of Charlie Hickox, who is Michael Fassbender. Yeah, Archie Hickox. Yeah, he's Michael Fassbender's character in Inglorious Bastards. Right. So those two movies. Now, for the most part. When you're able to find these connections, it means that they're in the same universe. However, the one problem movie, or one of the biggest problem movies, is Django Unchained. Yes. Yes. Because Django Unchained both has a connection to... uh, Shaft. Well, to Shaft. (laughs) To Shaft, because Tarantino has come out and said that he is a distant ancestor of Shaft. Right, because Django Um, is one bad motherfucker. It it connects to uh, Captain Crazy... Crazy Craig Coons, right? Mm-hmm. So Captain Coons in in Pulp Fiction, yep. right? And it also connects, however, to Kill Bill, right? Because uh, Paula Schultz is supposed to be the descendant of uh, the character, the dentist character in, or at least we in, all assume, because in, in, in Django, the yeah. general rule with right. Tarantino movies is, is that they have the same last yeah, name. Yeah, last names right. are there for a reason. There is right. a reason why this person has a last name. It's not that just that he likes the way it sounds. It's that he's trying to show you that these people are connected in some way. Right. So. Right. And so. So is, then the problem is, is Kill Bill. So yeah. well, but is Django in the realer than real universe? Or is it in the movie-movie universe? Django is in the movie-movie universe for one simple reason. Okay. Throughout all of Django, and I'm going to have to check. Hang on. Let me check my exact date on this because I I meant to write it down, um, but I forgot to. But I I remember reading this in my research. Uh, Okay. Django is in the movie, I'm sorry, the movie in a movie universe because throughout the entire movie, he is wearing his signature sunglasses that you see in like every yeah. image of oh. just you know the whole yeah. thing and Django takes place in when 1872 we said right yeah. no no it has to take place while they're oh, sorry, 18, so, so, so it has to be pre-1865 okay. yeah. anyway sunglasses were invented in 1929 
So oh. therefore, that is in the movie movie universe. That's a great catch. Wow, great that is something placement. Cool. Really great placement. Love that. Not gonna lie, I have pages of research in front of me. I did not. Know <laughs> that, that is great. That is incredible. And Harry, I just thought Matt was on Instagram here the whole time. Wow. I'm coming tagging, in. I'm tagging coming you, in. <laughs> Somebody has to put it on the page story. Wow. Coming that's, in with that's, that's really great. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, so definitive. So, right. Definitively, Django Unchained in the movie movie universe. That's right. what I would because, say. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Put it on yeah. the board. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and something that um, and something that I, I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's a scene in Django where he is using the exact same gun that um, that is used in Hateful Eight. Yes. Right. So, yes. so in in it, it's it looks like a, almost like a like a regular handgun, but it has a huge stock and a huge barrel. Right. Yeah. Right. It almost looks very I was just going to say, it looks like Jack Nicholson's <laughs> yeah. fucking pants it's, gun that he pulls it's out. It's such a weird looking gun. That's why yeah. I noticed it. And in that scene where Django escapes from the captives and he yeah. goes back to Candyland Ranch to right. blow it up and to kill Stephen, uh, uh, Samuel Michael, or excuse me, Samuel L. Jackson's character, um, he, he goes back and he has that gun. That's the gun that he goes back with, which yep. is the, the gun from Hateful Eight. So here's a theory now that I'm, I'm, I'm loving this sunglass thing. So the people who made the movie Django Unchained, so this movie would have been made right around our time, but in right. their universe. Right. They grew up in a world where Jews got revenge on Hitler directly. Right. So Correct. does that inspire... Why they very had clearly a slave, having right, a, why they had, a black yes. man getting direct, in, so, so totally. So yeah. I wonder yeah. if revenge that's, porn. That's, and a, that's theory, a really great. That's and, a really great and point. And so in the world that Tarantino has created, with the alternate history, specifically in Inglorious Bastards, all these characters grow up in a world where revenge is looked upon a little bit better than it would be in our world. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's totally. It's, not yeah. that you get rid of the turn the cheek theory, but more people have seen. Revenge succeed in a very real way. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's almost it's almost glorified, right? Yeah. Where it's 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 like that's the ultimate hero story is the revenge story, and totally. the more brutal the revenge, the better. Yeah. yeah. The, the right. Jewish heroes of World War Two are not like Oscar Schindler or like right. these people who who peacefully protest or right. who, or who would write in their their diary and hide in the attic. No, they're the Jewish yeah. heroes in this yeah, alternate was... theory are are, right. are people who are violent. And took the law into their yeah, own hands. Because it, glor- it glorifies it in a way because it takes away all of the, you know, you see it in, in movies constantly, the idea of, like, law and a fair trial. And so much of that is built around the presumption of innocence, you know, even though sometimes, you know, you see a lot, you see a lot of it in, like, movies that are focused on organized crime yeah. where it's like, you know, okay, we know that fucking Tommy Bufani is, you know, guilty of whatever, yeah. but we can't really prove it, you know? Right. And you look at something like Hitler, it's like, okay, no. It's being reported on the news that he is guilty of yeah. slaughtering millions of people. So, it, like, it takes away that. So that's why it almost justifies the idea of the revenge. Does Nuremberg like, yeah, even yeah, happen? Yeah, no, he's fucking guilty. Yeah, do the Nuremberg trials happen? Are there... No. Are there yeah, like so. Does that mean that Nazi hunting doesn't happen, right? Because you figure that yeah. the Nazis are all dead, right? They're just dead. Nobody wants to be known as a Nazi. I mean, there's two ways it could go, right? They could. I mean, I the, say Nazi hunting becomes more popular. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and that just leads to a much more violent world, which then you know to to go Westworld on you know these violent delights of violent right? ends, yeah. and I feel like these movies are the ends that yeah. in a world that is generally more violent. The big time movies need to be generally more violent. So yeah, this is I, I'm loving this 
Django is a product of this world. Movie, movie. That's great. Hateful Eight, we're saying, is is real world. I, that's what I think. Yes, I think 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hateful Eight would be realer than real. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is realer than real. Yes. Um, because the, the Manson murders, obviously, don't mm-hmm. happen because the history has been changed. Butterfly effect. Yep. Hitler dies. You see the... The, the 14 fists of McCluskey. Which is just, yeah. <laughs> which is just amazing. And you see that amazing scene with 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 Leonardo DiCaprio with the flamethrower. Anybody order it. fried sauerkraut? <laughs> just what did it just a great inspired by what the bastards did. Well, exactly. And it's it's I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because of exactly what we're talking about. Because now you're getting ch- chance to see a movie mm-hmm. that is in between both worlds. Right. So you're seeing you're seeing a movie that's realer than real, but as they're making movies yep. for the movie movie universe. Yeah. So it's like when they make a movie about the Inglorious Bastards, that's the Fourteen Fists of McCluskey. Yeah. Right. And when they're and and this is the way that they're being made. So it shows the creation process behind all of that and I, I absolutely love yeah. the movie because of that and getting to that this is something I only came across today because I was watching my last bit of research for this episode this was from dusk okay. till dawn 3 the okay. hangman's daughter okay <laughs> and not, not the best movie there's yeah the, 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 the rules get a little so uh... it's, it's, a, it's a prequel set in the early 1900s right around the time of Pancho Villa and it's it plays fast and loose with the vampire rules. There's a lot of snakes all of a sudden that like come out of the people. It's very unclear. Uh, but so they play fast and loose. But the cast is pretty good. Michael Parks plays a different character so, uh, who seems to be unrelated to Earl McGraw. But here's one connection that I love. The main character is called Johnny Madrid. Johnny Madrid is the main character of the Lancer pilot that Timothy, Timothy Oliphant plays in... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, man. Oh, where where, and, where um, DiCaprio yeah. plays the bad guy. Yeah. The bad guy, yeah. Not only that, yeah. I didn't know this. Lancer was a real show. That was a real show that ran for two years. Really? Yeah. Really? It was a yeah, real I didn't know that <laughs> That's awesome. And, and Tarantino like changes around the pilot script and changes around some of the things. But yeah. yeah, so Johnny Madrid was the star of Lancer. Lancer was about a family and like in the Lancer Ranch. Everything they mentioned in those scenes, yeah. that was cribbed from this real show that ran from 68 to 70. So, and so, so by by the uh, the rule of uh, whatever you call it, cognitive properties or something like that, right? Uh, Transitive properties. Yeah, right? well that too. Uh, <laughs> but it's a cognitive thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so, so from Dust Till Dawn technically is a sequel to Lancer. Or, or, it, or it's it's in the movie movie universe, and it's right. In, that's and, right, that's and, what I mean. And it comes from the you know it comes from the Tarantino world where Lancer is a pilot, just like it is in our world. Yeah, and that inspires the maker of From Dusk Till Dawn three to use Johnny Madrid as their name. Well, that's what I mean. Like From Dusk Till Dawn is obviously in the movie movie universe, but mm-hmm. in the movie movie universe, it is a sequel to uh, Lancer, the TV show. Which was in the movie, it is a movie within a movie. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, or a TV show within a movie. And just like the, the Lancer pilot that show you in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which, in my opinion, is Tarantino's best movie, but we'll get into that later. That pilot is very, so it's very Southwest Central. It's not just a regular Cowboys, it's a lot of Mexico are in it too, because tequila yeah. and all yes. that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I really feel like that, that he cribbed that name, Johnny Madrid, for From Dusk Dawn 3, because that was actually, the story was written by Rodriguez. Who we okay. haven't really got into yet, but now no. this is the perfect time to get into. He right. he is a great collaborator and friend 
of Tarantino and their movies, you know, just like Tarantino, he made a lot of different connected movies, but some of his movies directly tie in to Tarantino. Right. right. Yeah. And I mean, you've got, you've got the ones that tie in directly. You've got Death Proof and Planet Terror, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they got, made them together. They're, right, they're right. two separate movies right, but they that were, were released together. together. Yeah. Yes. Right. You've also got Sin City, right? Because Robert Rodriguez directed it, but then Quentin Tarantino had a few different scenes right. that he directed right. within that movie. Right. Um, and then you've also got... Was he involved in, in Four Rooms? Was was Rodriguez involved in Four Rooms? I, mean, uh, I, I know Tarantino directed one of the... I don't here. think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I don't think that Tarantino was involved with Desperado. No. I think Rodriguez... He was not. But he was that. an actor. He oh, was. that's right. He yeah. was yeah. in the movie. He was right. an but actor. So that's the Machete... Had, uh, sorry, that's yeah. the Mariachi, El Mariachi right. But he didn't have anything yeah. to do with... He didn't like do any writing or producing or anything with... No, with no, he was just, no. He was just an actor yeah. in that one. And he only yeah. had a small part. He was yeah, a small scene in the beginning. One of those, seconds, you know, yeah. A classic bar fight scene. You yeah, know, and Antonio Banderas just murders And he monologues his way through that entire scene before the whole place gets fucking shot up. It's a great scene. And I think... Does he have, like, classic, like... Fanboy Tarantino dialogue too. It's like yeah. very, yeah. it's very Kevin Smith. He's a yes. gangster, but he's he's Tarantino. Right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's got that classic like like really good like yeah. fanboy dialogue. And, and he very he yeah. very much acts like the kind of person you feel like you would meet in that scenario where you're just like, oh Jesus, stop talking. Yeah. Just, please shut the fuck yeah. up. Like. <laughs> but two quick fact checking bits here, guys. So four rooms. What did have a segment directed by Robert Rodriguez? Okay, so uh, okay. that's yeah. one connection right there. So and then, connection. and then the bigger connection is there is a tiny connection that I have found between the El Mariachi movies, which is El Mariachi, yep. Desperado, yep. and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Right. Those three movies all about you know this, this basically is this assassin who hides his his his, his thing is that he hides his weapons in a guitar case. Right. That is his right. entire that's, shtick. Yeah, it's it's so great. <laughs> right. So the only connection I found is that oh, there's a God. prop cameo. The crotch gun right. that is seen in From right. Dust Till Dawn. Right. That is yes. also seen as one of his tricks in yes. Machete. In yes. Machete. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's the same yeah. actor, right? It's the same actor, yeah. Sex Machine. He he was the he yeah. was, he played Sex same Machine. Same guy who played yeah. Sex Machine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, in From Dust Till Dawn. He yes. plays and he has the crotch gun yes. in Machete. So yes. that's seen yeah. in both Machete, machete Kills yep. and Desperado. Right. Like yeah. the idea of the crotch gun. So yeah. you know, so this, there's this idea that you know, like, if that's a cameo, then maybe the the Desperado movies are tied into from Dust Till Dawn, and so that's in that movie universe right. too. Right. Would Desperado, which if you watch Desperado, especially like nowadays, you're gonna look at that. I mean, that movie is so far over the top. Yeah. It's so oh, yeah. unbelievably ridiculous. Oh yeah. Especially when like the two other random like assassin mariachis come. Oh, his little mariachi brothers. Yeah. Their guitar case. Out of nowhere, at yeah. the end of the movie, they come just, in and they're just and they're Chuck the... Norris and they're shooting from the hip, and then he flips it over and it's a rocket and it's launcher. It's a rocket too. launcher, and it's so like... fucking awesome. And then he doesn't like reload it. He yeah. just like flips it up. Again. <laughs> And here's what's crazy is the And it's just recut of the yeah. same it's yeah. literally the same footage, just <laughs> yeah. li- slightly recut. So he's like, ah oh, yeah, let's just use it. And again. they're it's just great. standing there holding it at like at like shin length. Just like <laughs> <laughs> with like pinpoint, pinpoint accuracy. accuracy. <laughs> yeah. Like Chuck, like Chuck Norris <laughs> in the expen- expendable flurry. It's just, just so amazing. And I've only been to Mexico once, but I haven't seen Mariachis do that. That's yeah. not what <laughs> they don't all have. They, they don't all You're have going to the wrong parts yeah. of Mexico, my friend. And here's what's great too: yeah, is that parts. the actor who played the mariachi in El Mariachi is not Antonio Banderas. 
because El Mariachi was made on like a shoestring budget. No, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, totally right, different guy. So they right, recast. Yeah. It's meant to be the same once guy. It's, but once yeah. it's the big American movie, they right. recast it. Beautiful Antonio Banderas, blah blah blah. Yeah, El Mariachi but, looks like it was shot on like you know like it was. eight millimeter. Like. It was yeah, it was it was super cheap. You know, he did it, and that's what got him his his right. It was so career. Great, yeah. yeah, yeah. But the guy who played the original El Mariachi, he plays one of the sidekicks. Yeah, right? he comes back. Yeah. T- yep. he's he's right. one of the guys with like all the all the crazy weapons. That's great. Right. So. So technically, if you're able to say that, okay, so you've got Machete kills, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got Machete, mm-hmm. right? Which are, they've got to be the movie movie universe, right? Yes. yes. So then totally. anything that connects to that is also the movie movie universe, which is hilarious to think about. Right. Right? Because technically, that means that both Shark Boy and Lava Girl, right. as well as Spy Kids, yes. are both in the movie movie universe. Right. So now you've got this crazy like version of the United States that makes movies but Shark Boy and Lava Girl and Spy Kids are the movies that they make for children those are the right. family friendly right. movies and they throw a cameo of Machete in there as like the uncle yeah. who's just he just happens to be there uncle yeah, machete exactly you know? because in in the real than real universe where they're watching these movies they're all fucked up in the head anyway. They're all about <laughs> revenge porn. So it's like, yeah, why not? It's totally normal to throw a mass-murdering psychopath like Machete in a kid's movie. And it, it, it shows and you... it works. And it shows you how, um, like, you could understand how someone could see a... Because Machete also mm-hmm. very much a revenge movie. Totally. Right? Yeah. Which, so is Kill Bill. Yep. Yeah. Right? So that's, that's actually really interesting. So you can see how someone would be able to make that leap Right. And understanding that a person who's in the real, the, the, that somebody could be this beyond crazy murdering psychopath hell bent on revenge. And, and, you know, in their personal life, they're just kind of a nice guy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Totally. Taking care of the kids. Yeah. And to yeah. tie it all back in, I don't know if we're going to count deleted scenes as canon. That's what oh, we can get into man. in the okay. fodder. Oh, yeah. But there is a deleted scene from Machete Kills where James Parks, who is the real life son of Michael Parks, right. and plays... His son Edgar, right, 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 Sheriff Edgar McGraw, right, who he's, he's played also in Kill, Kill Bill, Bill and right. Grindhouse and all Isn't that. He number them, is it? Son one and son one and number one. Yeah, son yeah. Calls, calls, calls him son number one. Yeah, yeah. Son, son number, number one. one. Yeah. yeah, just yeah. I don't think Which, you ever you ever you see his daughter, but right. you don't. see... There's no son number two. Yeah, there's yeah, son yeah, number yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But so what happens is that um, he had a he had a scene that was cut, but he shot four machete kills, which would which which further ties in the whole thing. What was the scene? You know. It was just like him being one of the guys going after Machete. Oh, okay. Because like, there's this yeah. evil... Because I think they kind of cut it because he kind of ends up working with... Because like, like, the bad guy is like a, a law enforcement agent. I, right. I don't think they right. wanted the McGraws to be evil. Yeah, they yeah. wanted the McGraws right. to be... Yeah, they're the very benevolent characters, but they right. are kind of... They're not evil per se... They're just, I guess, principled, you could say. They're not idealized law enforcement, but they're not yeah. evil by any chance. Yeah. Right. yeah. No. But they're, they're just, you know, they're just, you know, good old, good old Southern boys who are, who are, you know, trying to hold up law and order in a, in a shit crazy world, you know? And uh, it is shit crazy for them. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's, so that's one of the things. So if you see the McGraws in a movie... That's usually a, a direct sign that it is the movie movie universe. Yep. Yes, the McGraws yeah. only they appear in several movies, but they right. only appear in movie movie in universe. the movie movie universe. Yeah. They're not right. ever in the actual like 
the, yeah, the right the, real than real, real, real yeah. than the real which is why he could be killed in From Dusk Till Dawn right. repeatedly but right. yeah exactly <laughs> he's but killed still, in From Dusk Till Dawn yeah. he, he dies in um, he died Planet Terror he dies he dies yeah, he yeah dies Planet in, Terror yeah. yeah he dies in a lot of them I don't think he dies in Death Proof although I'm not I don't remember I don't think he does. In I Death Proof? Yeah. No, I didn't actually like Death Proof. No, I didn't like Death Proof either. There's only like four wasn't... characters in Death Proof. And like, yeah. yeah, yeah, it wasn't really that great. However, one of the cool things about Death Proof, right, is, okay, so you've got Kurt Russell's character mm-hmm. in Death Proof, and he is essentially Stuntman Mike from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Right? Yes. So he's the yes. Stuntman in Once Upon a Time. It even goes so far... Where he like compliments the female stunt actress who rides on the front of the car, yep. who plays his wife in the real or the real universe. Right. So whoever right? she's wrote, an actual yeah. stunt woman, and she's actually she plays his wife in in the real or the real right. in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So whoever so whoever wrote Death Proof in Quentin Tarantino's right. real world knew Stuntman Mike exactly. Right. Probably correct. hated Stuntman Mike. Yeah. And made him into a villain right. in a movie called Death Proof. Yeah. Or I and mean, it goes back is... to the whole revenge porn right. idea: how the chicks get revenge on him. Like... Yeah. 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 And that's again, yeah, right, right in line. So obviously, Death Proof in the movie movie universe. Yep. Right. So both not only does it have the McGraws, but it's it's got it's all about that revenge angle, and and so that's the the movie movie universe. Here's my question for you guys. Okay. We're, we're talking about this alternate history mm-hmm. where Hitler dying a year earlier has changed history. Right, and dying brutally. Yeah. What is the connection? Yeah. Definitive, yeah. Definitively. Yeah. Definitively by the Americans. We, it's not like they quit and gave up. They right. didn't take their ball and go home, which yeah. is what happened. We won. Yeah. We won definitively. Yeah. So, my question is, how does that change America to such an extent that foot fetishism Become <laughs> such a major part of the world. Listen, I don't know listen. what the connection is. I'm we're pretty gonna sure stay, that, we're gonna stay way away from the foot. I'm pretty sure that, that would have happened anyway. Like, yeah. As soon as the internet comes around, that's uh, all the fetishes come out. Like, here's the thing: so. what, the, the two the worst star of opinion. every Tarantino movie is the uh, it's the main star. Yeah. And the feet of the female main actress well that's no not in once upon a time in hollywood not once upon a time in hollywood you never see me margot robbie's feet you you see um you know you see the other girl's feet you see you see the the crazy you do see margot robbie's feet. well first off you do see more of of um of of the other margaret qualley's feet right right but there is a gratuitous shot where she takes off her shoes in a movie theater and yes. puts them up on the seat in front oh, of her, which right. nobody which takes off. Nobody <laughs> takes off their shoes in a movie theater like that and puts them over. No. To, that is a gratuitous. That is a Tarantino a special. Yeah. But can we also talk about that scene quickly for a second? Because that, for me, is one of the most Tarantino scenes, like ever. Like the most Tarantino he can possibly be, because that is such an obvious scene of it's meant to be him, like he's Margot Robbie's character watching himself. In a movie like that's that scene. I'm that's sure that's what he be. does. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, yeah, exactly. where she's like doing, doing the, the, she's like remembering yeah. what it was like when she's yeah. there with Bruce Lee being trained, and she's like doing exactly. The and there's and one everything. thing we know about Tarantino is that he, like, he likes to suck his own dick in one way or another <laughs> in his movies, and like you know what we saw with Inglorious Bastards, which yeah. we honestly Glorious Bastards, he really does wait till the very last scene to give it to you. Right. It's usually much earlier in other movies, and you know, when they when he carves the guy, when Brad Pitt is like, oh, I think this might be my best work. Ever, wherever exactly, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. but in that scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's so 
obvious that it's meant to be Tarantino witnessing his own work and just being like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but at the yeah, same yeah. time, I think it's such a great head fake because even though he had done it in Glorious Bastards where he changed history, the entire time you're watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you're watching it knowing that something terrible is about to happen yep. to Margot Robbie's character. And that kind of humanizes her in a sense where, you know, just like so Chadwick Boseman just passed away. Right. And he, he passed away at the height really off his yeah. power like he just became an A-list actor totally and part of the thing about Margot Robbie's character is that she has just reached the pinnacle of her career right so there's this idea that you know having her go to a movie theater watch herself on screen knowing that she's about to be killed it, it really brings you know the, the Sharon Tate you know really humanizes her character so right. then you're expecting her to die then she doesn't die Right, and that is so great because it's one of those things that I think only Tarantino or like a equally amazing filmmaker could do. Where I'm aware that he's changed history before in Inglorious Bastards, but I was not expecting him to completely change history when yeah. it came to the Sharon Tate murders. Now, other than, other than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood mm -hmm. and True Romance, are there any other movies that have scenes in the movie theater? Like, I'm trying to think and rack my brain. Well, I, technically, I Glorious Bastards does because they're in a movie theater when they're, the focus, right. okay. the focus really, yep. focus really isn't point. on, you know, that's, what's yeah. on the no, screen, no, no. Yeah, but they're in the movie point. theater when they burn it down yeah. and fucking yeah. blow it Because it's a documentary up. about a main character. Right, right. exactly. Right. Um, I don't... I'm trying to cycle through them now. Yeah, I certainly honestly, not in Hateful Eight, obviously. Not yeah. in Pulp Fiction, not in Reservoir but there is You don't go into the movie theater. There's, like, a lot of TV... You know, there's like, a lot of there's TV. A lot of I was TV. gonna say, if that's not yeah. there's a lot of TV. You know, yeah. there's a lot of characters watching TV, especially in Kill Bill. Right. In both in both Kill Bill volumes, let's say there are a lot of scenes where characters are watching TV, and mm -hmm. it's always like a plot point in some yeah. way or another. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but certainly not in in Reservoir Dogs or, or Pulp Fiction. But again, right. TV in both of those. Exactly. Right. And they make multiple different comic book references and nerdy references oh, and yeah. just delicious and amazing yeah, and incredible and yeah just everything that we love so, so let's get into more fodder so so then we have more things that are in the movie movie universe yes. now we're, we're coming up across one that is really also the other big problem for me in the, the Tarantino universe and that is one of my favorite movies Natural Born Killers mm -hmm. so typically when you're Great able movie. to make the connection you're going to say that they're in the same universe right, right. however in the beginning of Reservoir Dogs, uh, Vin Vic Vega, Mr. Blonde, is talking about his parole officer, Seymour Scagnetti. Yeah. Right. Okay, Seymour Scagnetti. In uh, Natural Born Killers, the main character, where one of the main antagonists in it is Anthony Scagnetti. Is that who it was? I believe that was his first name. I forget the character's first name. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, can you look it up? But anyway, so, so here's my theory, right? So, Natural Born Killers is really, really tough because it is so over the top. Now, it's this basically Kill Bill level almost. Yeah, it's. Violent. I mean, yeah. it's it's yeah. really it's it's a beautifully shot movie. Um, it Jack is Jack Scagnetti. Jack Scagnetti. That's what it is. Jack Scagnetti. So you have Seymour Scagnetti and Jack Scagnetti. Now, in Natural Born Killers, it's so far over the top. They even have that little scene where you're seeing. Um, Juliette Lewis's character's past, and it's done almost as a 90s sitcom spoof, mm -hmm. but it's so gut-wrenchingly disturbing. 
like like Rodney Dangerfield is there and he plays the father character and he's like obviously molesting his daughter and and then it like has all of this dialogue where it's obviously like her brother does it too and like the mother knows about it and it just is it, it has to tell this story in a in a comedic way because it's so unbelievably gut-wrenching yeah. that it just like you can't just come out right out with it like you have to soften the blow a bit and because of the way that the movie is shot it's it's not really softening the blow it almost makes it even worse well, right it has to be movie movie universe you, I, so i think you know the last names you know maybe that's just the i mean you've got it's just, the, a coincidence. You've got, just you've got like the schultz just like schultz although i will say schultz is a much more common name than scagnetti right i've True. never met a scagnetti we we've heard of tons of schultz they're they're popular yeah. famous schultz in, mm. in Natural Board Killers, though, it would make sense with the greater narrative because, A, it's not about a revenge story. It's just about these two crazy, wild killers. It would also make sense if it's in the realer than real uh, because it, 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 it would... This it, is the product shows, of having that much right, violence. Right, of having that much violence in, 40s, in your yeah. life. So you can yeah. see that when, these two, when, when the two characters become like this Bonnie and Clyde... You could see why, like that that early '90s MTV generation would latch onto that and would like celebrate that mm-hmm. because they've been raised on so much violence since they were children yeah. that it's just natural and they look up to it and they look up to that kind of violence. So, it in that greater narrative, it would actually make sense for it to be in the realer than real. But the movie is so unbelievably over the top; it's so crazy that it just doesn't necessarily fit into a a realer than real and in fact they have almost the same exact shot in kill bill part two mm-hmm. as well as in in natural so then it's got to be movie movie and the only the only reason why we have and a little bit of difference is, is that he didn't quite i think tarantino didn't quite have this idea in place yet you know because you know those are his first couple films right. you know but you know these connections between reservoir dogs yeah. pulp fiction and and natural born killer. So he was early on. He didn't quite have that idea of the of the fake. I say it's realer than real. I say movie it's universe. movie, movie, in movie universe <laughs> where <laughs> Juliet Lewis's character in Natural Born Killers is just a little bit older version of the daughter from Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> Dust Till Dawn. Who's been traumatized by that whole thing and that's why she falls in with Woody Harrelson's character. Or maybe. And goes on that murder spree. So now so the movie universe within the movie movie universe. Well, so that's interesting, right? Because like if she is really the character from, from Dust Till Dawn, she goes through that hum- like incredibly yeah. traumatic experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She ends up with Woody Harrelson's character. Okay, like you can understand right. that. Changes but the name. However, they, they show her past. Right, right? they and do. Sh- right. However, right, it would make sense because of she had such trauma that she doesn't want to realize she doesn't want to remember her real past her shooting and murdering her own brother right right her, watching her father become a vampire in yeah. front of her and and like her brother smashing a holy water condom on his face yeah exactly right? and watching half his face melt away right right so she she creates this other traumatic mindset which is why it's done as rodney dangerfield and in this like fantastic way that that actually could be yeah, I solved that problem how, how they come together. Or the movie is just based <laughs> off of real events in the real world. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so like in the realer than real world, there were natural born killers like that. Right. And Scagnetti was actually their parole officer. 
and then somebody made a movie adaptation, almost like Lifetime. Right? Yeah. This is the Lifetime movie of, of that yep. <laughs> of that world. So I happen to believe that, that Natural Born Killers is in the realer than real universe, okay. even though it, despite it being over the top. And one of the things that I absolutely love about it is in the movie, there is a book that Jack Scagnetti talks about constantly. And you think it is a you think it's a self-aggrandizing book, right? It's it's called Scagnetti on Scagnetti, right? And it's this book, and he's like, "Oh, you gotta read my book," and he talks about it the entire movie, and it's ridiculous, right? And you think that it's a book that he obviously wrote about himself. I don't necessarily think that's true because you see the book in a quick shot, just very briefly, right? And there's two people on the front of the book. I think. That Scagnetti on Scagnetti was actually Seymour Scagnetti who writes the book about <laughs> Jack Scagnetti because ah. Seymour Scagnetti is a parole officer. Right, right. And for one reason or another, maybe it's in the family, maybe he got demoted down, he couldn't be right. like a regular detective, right? So he idolizes his brother and what he's able to do in the force and what he's able to do, right? And so, That's really cool. So, I like that idea. So, like then, that idea, so yeah. then it's actually his brother, Seymour Scagnetti, who's writing a book about Jack Scagnetti. So when he says, read my book, it's not because he wrote the book. It's just about his life. Yeah. Makes sense. That's not the type of guy yeah. who's going to write a book. Exactly. No, he's definitely not the type <laughs> like of guy that's going to write too. a book. Right? But he is the type of guy that's going to like glorify himself. Yeah. Right? But So then the other thing is that there's, there's in true romance, the actor is who is Jack Scagnetti from Natural Born Killers is in True Romance. Yeah. So all of a sudden he shows up at the end of the movie and I'm freaking out because I haven't seen this movie in forever and I'm watching this and I'm freaking out and I'm like, please don't say his name. Please don't say, if you don't say his name, I can connect it. If you don't, and then they give him a name and yeah. it's not Scagnetti. Yeah, you're like, God I'm like, oh, no, no, he could be the third brother. It could have been. Don't you know the type of podcast we're making? This would have been perfect for us. Yeah, no, you made this in 1993. <laughs> so here's my question for you. For those of you playing along at home, if you're uh, on the IMDb page checking <laughs> yeah. off Tarantino movies, are you are you there with us yet? Are you drawing the lines? <laughs> oh my and, god! And, and Do you also crazy? have notes? <laughs> is that is that it's always Sunny meme where yeah. Charlie's like <laughs> smoking the cigarette, smoking like, the cigarette, looking like a crazy person? Yeah. Jackie Brown has not been mentioned as being part of either universe. Jackie Brown. And why is that? Jackie because Jackie Brown is not. It's not part of either universe. Yeah, it's its, it's own not, thing, it's not, man. It's own yeah, thing. El, El, the Elmore Leonard universe is completely different. It's not movie, movie. It's not. It's not. It's not realer than real. It's yeah. it's its own thing. It's right. way different. That's why you don't it feels that way. You don't see you don't yeah. see Big Kahuna Burger. You don't see right. Red Apple cigarettes. Right. In fact, he makes a point. To not like there are several times when they're smoking cigarettes when they want to go buy cigarettes, but he makes a point not to have any of the other products in that movie. Yeah, that's because Jackie Brown is the only Tarantino movie that is adapted from another work. Right. Mm -hmm. So he he wrote a movie adaptation of an Elmore Leonard novel. Yeah. Rum Punch. Yeah. Right? Rum Punch. Right. Now, so Jackie Brown is his own thing. He like we said, there's no there's no references to other characters. There's none of the cigarettes. There's none of the Big Kahuna Burger. But Jackie Brown connects to another movie based off of an Elmore Leonard novel. And that is Out of Sight. Correct. Right. Yeah. So. With the main the main connection being uh, Michael Keaton. Right. right. So that was directed by Steven Soderbergh. Right. And a lot of Elmore Le uh, Leonard's novels and books, they connect. And they had, because of Tarantino, this is the fanboy coming out in Tarantino, Tarantino allowed another studio to use Michael Keaton and use that same character even though they didn't have the rights to it because he wanted his Elmore Leonard movie to be connected to another Elmore Leonard movie that came out just about a year later. So Out of Sight 
directly connects to Jackie Brown because Michael Keaton plays the same role, Ray Nicolette, yep. in both movies. Yeah, so, and I, I think you used the wrong word there, at, you know, aloud. He begged. Yeah. He begged. He begged Soderbergh to use, yeah. Yeah, to use Michael Keaton as Ray Nicolette in that movie because he wanted it to seem like Michael Keaton was this character who was just out there in the universe and he was a real life person that could just pop up anywhere right right so he wanted it to seem he begged to have michael keaton on as ray nicolette which i thought is awesome and it's it's really just a kind of short scene that he's in and it's kind of like a throwaway where he's like a major character in jackie brown he just shows up and he has like a conversation and then he leaves right yeah however out of sight now this is just an easter egg and it's just a throwback but in out of sight uh, Jennifer Lopez's character is asked about George Clooney, and she's shown a picture of George Clooney, and she says, oh, that's not him. That's that's not him at all. Yeah. And the picture that she's shown, and the reason why she doesn't recognize it, is because it's actually George Clooney from From Dust Till Dawn. From Dust Till Dawn, yeah. Right? So it actually <laughs> does connect, kind of... To the movie, movie universe, but so why not is that really. photo there? Let's get you. Know, yeah, let's let's get into I don't the know. It's just, it's just a, a fun he's little an Easter egg. In <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's just a fun little Easter egg. But I guess you could say that you know, not the same character, not the same right. person. You know, yeah. yeah, 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 and that's why she thinks that they're they're not the same people. But uh, yeah, Natural Born Killers was the biggest mind bender for me in this whole thing because I was like. How does this fit? Where is this? Is this really canon? Is is Jack Scagnetti just an homage to Seymour Scagnetti? Yeah. Did somebody who put this like out? But I actually think after watching it and 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 rethinking it, I really do think that Natural Born Killers belongs in the Realer Than Real universe. Right. Does Tarantino count Jackie Brown as one of his films? Yes. Like, you know, his he does. He, yeah. he, he counts it as one of his films, but he has come out and said that it's not in either. Universe. Yeah, but it's, no, 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 it's no, part no, of his 10. Right. Yeah. So, okay, so here's my question, though. So, not to jump ahead, because I think we have some more fodder stuff to discuss, right? Um. Yeah, we, we have a little yeah. bit more, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I, here's, cause here's a discussion I really wanted to have. So, okay. because... Jackie Brown does not fit into either of Tarantino's universes. Right. And we know that, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was his ninth film, and he's, you know, big deal about tenth I saw it in all the ever, ads, right? the ninth film, like Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> and we all know that he's always talked about his, his ten films, and after that he's done, right? Right, right. Does Tarantino, because his other eight of the nine films are all his own works. Right. Does he come back... Closer to the production of his tenth film, and say, Jackie Brown doesn't count anymore as the the ten. Kind of get like an extra life almost, oh, you know? Yeah, like, he's gonna level up and because it's the, the only uh, well, because the it's fine the, print right, of, of the Tarantino because it's universe. like interesting yeah. to think about, yeah. you know, how his other films are very uniquely his own, as we right. just talked about in one of these two universes, and how we've clearly established how all these movies, except for Jackie Brown, fit into one of those. Right. Does he come out and say, because everyone's already speculating, what's his 10th movie is going to be? There's been talk about Star right. Trek, but then does well, he do the see, same thing Star with Trek that? Was, does it's he adapted. It's, exactly, it's adapted. So does he count yeah. that as yeah. his 10th? He, he came out and said say, no, actually. So right. yeah. Star Trek is now, unfortunately, 
ditched. He was going to do like a gangster driven Star Trek. Right. right. Which and is I guarantee not, yeah. you those gangsters would have been named Vega or something. Yeah, exactly. Been, and they would have smoked Red Apple cigarettes. It would have been great. In the future, on the Enterprise, they're smoking that. How do you guys yeah. smoke cigarettes? Wouldn't the oxygen? Oh, you know, it's one guy well, we'll do a Star Trek scene. episode in the future, but there's a there's a Star Trek episode in the original series. Yes, where they go to a planet, yeah, yeah, yeah. and just like that movie Galaxy <sighs> Quest, right? Um, the aliens on that planet had met humans before, and when they did, they they found this book based right. off the Chicago mobs, right? And, and they, they based idolized their them. entire yeah their entire. Um, world off of of Chicago. Right. So you all have yeah. Tommy guns and zoot suits. Yeah, zoot suits. Yeah. Zoot suits. It's a great episode. If you like haven't the, seen like it, they don't have countries. Episode. They have territories. It's amazing. Yeah. And apparently, and it just came out a couple weeks ago that that Tarantino movie was dropped by Paramount for some stupid reason. I don't know why. Right. But that would have been perfect because as soon as it came out that Tarantino was going to make a Star Trek movie, I was like, How does Tarantino make a utopia movie where people don't you know like don't fight there's yeah, no money <laughs> like what is that like and of course it would be oh that's great because that means that the villains on this planet can be they can be Vic Vega they can be whatever they can just be crazy yep. men yep and they can just go up against these Starfleet guys who don't know what to do next like really yeah. you're just cutting his ear off what's going yeah. on here yeah. <laughs> no, whoa 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 this is way more violent hey, than man, this, used to this but is like a first contact situation yeah. man yeah. he's cutting he's got some sort of like laser sword to cut it off with though, you know like a laser knife <laughs> So yeah, but I think is... he was not gonna make Star Trek his tenth film. He was right. gonna like do like a little like, oh, you know, well technically it's adapted. So you're right, maybe he does that. But I'm if wondering, he, yeah. If he does make a tenth movie, what do you guys want it to be? Oh, Anthony, I'll let it you has, go first. It has to be sci fi. It has no. to absolutely be a sci fi movie. And I want it I want in some way, shape, or form bring back characters from the universe, right? So if you're going to make it, because, so the last really three movies or four movies that he's made have all been in the realer than real universe, right? So, you know, yeah. Once Upon a Time in China, or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yep. Django, Hateful Eight, Inglorious yep. Bastards. They've all been set in the way past, past. Yeah, too. Past. That's another right. thing, too. That's nothing, all, nothing current. No, right. and, and the only things that could be done in the present would be Jackie Brown, Natural Born Killers, right. True Romance. Those are all, you know, right. you know, kind of different things all over the place. But um, uh, I would love to see him do a sci-fi movie. I would love to see it, and I would love. To, I want to see. I want to see Tarantino's Avengers. Bring in the bride from Kill Bill to meet up with with um, George Clooney's character from from Dust Till Dawn. Um, to meet up with uh, uh, Rosario Dawson's character from Death yeah. Proof, to meet up with uh, maybe Woody Harrelson or Juliette Lewis from Natural Born Killers, yep. right? Like, I would absolutely love to see a sci-fi movie that has those characters yeah. all, for some reason, brought together, and it's like they're all prisoners or something, yeah. Yeah. and then they're they're shot out into space, and now you've got this... Movie. Well, you lose me at space. Well, I like no, no, the no, Avengers no, no. of Tarantino, well, but so, I want it to so happen in LA, so, not like Mars. So here it is, right? So here's 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 the plot line, right? So it's Planet Hulk. So in Planet Hulk, they shoot Hulk off into another planet, right? Because they can't have him on Earth. He has. Okay, his so now we're talking right? the MCU. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Gotcha. I'm, not, on. I'm not talking it. Just the story, right? Hulk goes <laughs> to this other planet. He has this adventure on another planet. He gets super pissed off. Comes back to Earth, and he has this revenge story about being sent off into outer space. So you can take this group of characters, send them into outer space, and then they have a revenge story about how they break out of prison in outer space in order to kill the people who shot them into outer space in the first place. 
boom, billion dollars. <laughs> now, now here's my question. I would rather... Does it tie into Machete Kills in Space? <laughs> uh, well, then, yeah, you I mean you have to have Danny Trejo. Yeah. Danny Trejo needs to be like the pilot. Like, I would just a lightsaber to... machete. I would, ra- I would rather see that movie where they've already shot Marcellus Wallace off into outer space, and Marcellus <laughs> Wallace has, by the time they get the other characters, get to where Marcellus Wallace is, he's taken over the planet. Like, he's king shit on this new planet. Uh, so here's my Tarantino movie. Here's what I want his 10th movie to be. I want it to be a movie where you have a girl, woman, right, um, who is going through, like, she's, let's call her, what time period do you want to set it? Let, let's call her, like, early 20s. Okay, let's okay. give her early 20s. Okay. Still young, but old enough to be, like, an adult and doing adult things. Put her in, you know like some sort of military thing, special forces, CIA, black ops, give her a bunch of skills. Okay. The whole thing. Have her go through a very Tarantino-esque story of multiple different characters that don't seem related and connected. Each character serves a different purpose in her moving along in the story, dropping his little Tarantino-specific Easter eggs. So very in a very Tarantino way where you're guessing throughout the Easter like very much like Reservoir Dogs, you know? Sure. Even, maybe even tell it out of chronological order a little bit, right? Have a lot of characters. Um, you spend the entire movie trying to understand what the character is working towards. There's no sort of defined antagonist in the movie. It's more just about this personal journey She's going through and she's meeting all these characters and each one gives her something else that she needs to get to her goal. And she's the only thing you know is that she's looking for somebody. That's all you know is that she's looking for somebody. Okay. And you film it in a realer than real you film it in the realer than real style. You don't do the over the this. top here. And in the final act, you find out that it is Beatrice Kiddo's do- I'm sorry, uh, daughter yeah. who is seeking revenge on her for killing her father. In Kill Bill Volume Two. Oh, so it's not okay. So, so it's not. It's not. Um, yes, because my answer was right. I. W- I wanted to do a Nikki. Kill Bill Volume right. Three, right? Where like Zendaya, because it just came out yeah. that you know like right. Rebecca A. Fox actually said but the see, Tarantino see the way, should cast her. So the way that I would do it yeah. though is I would have um, what was Vivica A. Fox's character's name again? The uh, uh, I know she was Black Mamba. So was, she was Vernita she, Green. Vernita Green, Green, right? Yeah, so Mouth, one of the right? characters I would have yeah. would be yeah. Vernita. She was not Black Mamba. And she so was not Vernita, like that. No, right. No, no. So <laughs> Vernita Green's daughter is one of the characters you meet along the way. Call it midway through the movie. That's a great. But you do yeah. like a big fake out because once people catch on to it, they're gonna think like, "Oh, it's Vernita Green's daughter seeking revenge." But then you find out it's actually. Uh, well, I mean, I guess color of their skin might give that away but it's really just you know you, you like it's a big twist when it's actually her own daughter right that's that, seeking revenge that's seeking revenge right. because up until the point where she where she kills bill she doesn't know who her mother is really and you know whatever story bill so that, has told yeah. her so it fucks her up in the head and you, it's one of those things where like you find out that she was happier with bill and like you know that ruined her whole life so that's why she's getting that revenge right because the whole story of kill bill doesn't really make sense at the end because the reason that she left was because she thought that her daughter, that BB, was not going to be... Well, she was not going to be safe. Right. So she leaves. That's why she runs away from Bill is because she's, like, worried about her daughter being raised in that environment. Right. And Bill raises her in that environment anyway. But didn't she think her daughter was dead, though? 
She did. She, she did, did right, but yeah. originally the reason she left... Right, no, no, I know that. But the reason she, she left Phil was because he right. thought well, he would yeah, be well, a because she wakes up from a coma. She gets shot in the head, and then she has no baby. That's the mind fuck at the end. Right. And then after the first one... So it just like double mind fucks you in the same way that Kill Bill Volume 2 does when you find out her daughter's actually alive. It also kind of ruins the ending to Kill Bill 2 in a way. Like, it makes it a tragedy as opposed to... So that's the thing, right? Which is why you need another movie to tie all that off, and it ties right into that revenge angle of things. And then, like, how cool would it be to like see an older uh vernita green's daughter yeah who's let go yeah. of that revenge angle yeah. right but that like that makes kill bill uh mia uh, people calling her mia wallace <laughs> yeah beatrice kiddo's daughter that much more twisted because she hasn't let go of it right right that's great yeah i like that or maybe even that like bb comes in at the end to save her mom Right from from Vernita Green from exactly. Nakia Green. Yeah. Right. So the trick, so, to, the, like, so the, trick to the whole movie is though. Be? So the trick to the whole movie wow. though is that you don't you don't shoot it in the Kill Bill style because it's like a dead giveaway. You do it in the realer than real style. And then maybe none of the crazy up the music exactly, keeps getting a little yeah. bit yeah. more and more. And then, yeah. then you don't know where the line is. Where right? Because Kill Bill has one of yeah. his, in my opinion, one of his most unique styles of. Of filmmaking, very much in that you know that Japanese samurai, all that stuff that he pulls the most from Japanese culture in that yeah. movie. Yeah. And if you if you hit the audience with that right off the bat, they're gonna know like, oh, this is a fucking Kill Bill movie. So you yeah. you you keep that in your back pocket until like the third act, and just slowly get there, and then people are, like fucking mind blown. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is great. So then I guess wrapping it up, um, this is cannon fodder, and and <laughs> yeah. the reason for this podcast is that we tell you what is and, and isn't, isn't canon. Canon. Right. So. If you had to pick one Tarantino Rodriguez canon, if you had to go with the movie movie or the realer than real, which canon would you choose and which one would you make fodder? For me, I'll answer first. Just because I love Inglourious Bastards and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood so much, and then Pulp Fiction is a close third. Yeah. As much as I love From Dust Till Dawn and, and a lot of these other movies... For me, my top three Tarantino movies are all in the realer than real. I miss, I'll miss from *Dust Till Dawn*. I'll, uh, *Desperado* is one of my favorite yeah. movies. But yeah, I would go. I prefer the realer than real universe. That's that's my thought, Anthony. Yeah. So the the definitely from what I would say is canon in terms of a story making, especially because the last four movies are in the realer than real universe. I, I would have to say that is what is quote unquote canon. Right, so he keeps getting better as a filmmaker. If you're looking for continuity, yeah, yeah, he is cheating. So, but if you're looking for continuity, (laughs) if you're looking for all of that, look for it in the realer than real, and not so much in the movie movie because the movie movie is supposed to be ridiculous and over the top. Yeah, I agree. As much as I would, it would pain me to see from *Dust Till Dawn* and the *Kill Bill* movies go. Movies like *Inglorious Bastards* and particularly *Once Upon a Time in Hollywood* are just too good yeah. to, to, you know, and obviously *Reservoir Dogs* and this classic stuff. But I agree. I mean, even this more recent stuff, you know, I, I think I'm with you, Ed, and I think that *Once Upon a Time in Hollywood* is my favorite Tarantino movie. I think it's his best. Um, I yeah, I would have to say *Real* than *Real*. Yeah, and I think we can all agree that he needs to make more than ten films because he is yeah. just getting better and better. Not just, but commercially, critically, and just yeah. in my own opinion. Yeah. He just keeps on like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's not only his best movie in my opinion. It's not only the movie that did really well at the Oscars. It's the only Tarantino movie that like my mom watches and loves, but I yeah. also watch and love. Like right. he has reached yeah. this level of filmmaking where he's able to make it have just enough violence and just enough of his own particular style and to pull in these like crazy 
spaghetti westerns and all these like the, all the things that Tarantino yeah, does all those well, crazy fanboy yeah. stuff, fanboy stuff yeah. but at the same time make it super accessible to um, to, to like a broader audience so just imagine this is him and he's relatively young he has a good you know like if he's anything like a Woody Allen he has a good 20 to 30 years of filmmaking ahead of him yeah, so absolutely. just imagine what he could do totally agree so let's let's wrap things up with the final thing that I want to do and it is a 3-2-1 countdown your top three favorite Tarantino or Rodriguez films that are in this large, unbelievable universe. So, so movie, movie, and real than yeah, everything, okay. everything, including the oh, Rodriguez, shit. and okay, yep. and don't go so far into Elmo Leonard yeah. because that's a whole other episode. But if you could go the the number three, number two, and then what you think is the number one in terms of just everything that's good about what these two movie makers stand for, what they are, just who they are, and like one of the things that I love is. I actually love both True Romance and Natural Born Killers. I love when a different director gets a chance to run with a Quentin Tarantino script because it just reeks of Tarantino and yeah. it's so fun to like it, it's almost like it, it's, it's its own a, genre. Yeah, Tarantino a, is a genre. It's it's <laughs> it's almost like when when you're a kid and you have your your best friend come over to play with your action figures and like you have this whole storyline that you've written out in your head about like who the action figures are and everything and then you get to see somebody else play with the action figures it's almost like that scene like you said in the movie theater where it's like it's like Quentin Tarantino watching himself watching yep. a movie you know it's yep. like yep. like that is exactly what it is and i i absolutely love that right so it's it's great so but um, in terms of my three, three my two, top, one. My, yeah, my, my top. So number three uh, for me would be Natural Born Killers. That would be that would be number three. I think it's amazing. Oliver Stone did it. It's trippy. It's weird. It's very disturbing. Um, Robert Downey Jr.'s character is incredible. He plays this news anchor from this action news. It's it's wild. It's so far over the top. It's brutally violent, and it's just it's just a wild ride from start to finish. And and absolutely love it. And it really represents really everything that Tarantino is as a writer, like yep. what his stories mean and, and what they become. Um, number two for me would have to be Kill Bill. I, I and I'm taking both movies as a single movie. Gotcha. Yes. Right. So just the way that that movie is, the whole story, the 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 story behind it, how much how much it's a love story to like when he was a kid and so many other movies. Like like going back and seeing some of the references. Like I've gotten a chance to watch some of the different movies that he kind of references in Kill Bill, um, including a, a movie called Lady Snowblood, which is yep. like quickly become one of my favorite samurai movies yeah, like ever. It's yeah. it's incredible and. Um, and uh, yeah, just just everything about it, I absolutely love, and, and getting a chance to see it. And then um, my number one movie, which, like you said before, I think it's I think the last line in the movie is just him talking to himself, and that is Inglorious Bastards. I think Inglorious Bastards is by far Tarantino's best work. I think the dialogue is incredible. I think the star power is amazing. The story that it tells is so incredible, and it really sets the tone for what the realer than real universe is mm -hmm. for what that is and why it is the way that it is. So it, so I, I absolutely love that. And, and uh, yeah, that would be my, my three, two, one natural born killers. Number two, kill bill. Number one, reservoir dogs, my, or excuse me, number one, uh, inglorious pastors. My three, two, one, it would be desperado. Okay. Three. I love, Desperate. I love the soundtrack. I love everything. Mm -hmm. I, I just love the visual of that movie. I feel like that, that was Rodriguez's best. 
Two would be Inglorious Bastards. Okay. And one would be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because that that movie I just feel like that has everything Tarantino because it has all the references to B movies. Yep. yep. You know, it's a love letter to Hollywood. You know, I work in movies, so like, I, like that's very like insular. Like, there's a lot of like inside baseball in that movie that I yeah. love. Like, the humor is great. Yeah. And just like. Brad Pitt is at the top of his game in that movie. Yeah, he's like, that is, like, he is a great actor. But he has never been that good in a movie. And him and DiCaprio have the greatest... Um, they really do have great chemistry. They, they, they really do. do. And, I, and I, want, I would love I, to see them again. And I want them yeah, again. In his, them, yeah. Whatever his next movie yeah. is, I don't care if it's Machete in Space or if it's, <laughs> or if it's you know, like the Tarantino Avengers, like, them is great. And then, yeah. just because I should have seen it coming because of Inglorious Bastards, my number two... I did not expect them to save Sharon Tate. Yeah. And and like and to I, change it, yeah. I haven't seen such a like a surprise ending in a movie in a long time. Like it was almost yeah. like watching like a comic book movie to the extent where like you kind of think you know how it's going to happen and then somebody dies that's not supposed to. Like it's something that you you yeah, very was... rarely see and and they were able to keep that a mystery to such yeah. an extent. I was just And it was so just great. Like it was just so satisfying. It's more of that that Almost like revenge porn. Yeah, like it's just, right. it's just so good, and it's 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 yeah. It, yeah. and like especially when he comes in with the freaking flamethrower at the end, it's just like come on. Well, he's found this way. So like, early on in his movies, the victims of all of his violence were just randos, and right. so like mm-hmm. morally, like even though like it was awesome, you were just like, yeah, but that guy was just there. Like yeah, that's, oh, poor guy. That's you know? a cop that you're cutting yeah. his ear off. Like I know the yeah. scene is funny that he's dancing, but this guy didn't do anything. You know, yeah. but like. Yeah. Later on, he's now found a way. He's just like, I'm going to save the most ridiculous, over-the-top violence for people you can't defend. It's going to yeah, be yeah. Nazis. It's going to be people who murdered a... Oh, Charles Manson? Yeah, women. it's great. Yeah, it's who who like, can we bru- be brutally violent against yeah, and have yeah. people be okay with it? Okay. It's got to be people you know. Are, are, so I, the morality of it. It's just fantastic. So yeah, yeah, those yeah. are my three, two, one. Desperado, Inglorious Bastards, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Matt. Uh, so me, three is Kill Bill. Again, both movies is one because mm-hmm. it's just... Yeah, and that's way like, it's parts. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the way Tarantino, yeah. and, and it's just endlessly rewatchable, and it's yeah. it's near flawless in terms of movie making and everything. Yeah. Um, I number two is also Inglorious Bastards for me. Just like oh, I again, great. another endlessly rewatchable movie, and it's yep. so perfect in so many different ways. Um, and then my number one is also Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Nice, like I just, really? Yes, I absolutely wow. love that because because I love the. You know, like Ed said, the love letter to Hollywood, and it very much kind of like subverts the idea of like what a protagonist hero character should be. And again, I love you know I saw the um, I saw the Manson angle coming a mile away. Like uh, people I knew that watched the movie didn't get that, and I'm like, I'm like, how could you miss that? Like Sharon Tate, like, yeah, like, come it's on. right there. And as soon as, as soon as they got to the ranch, I'm like, oh, this is obviously the fucking Manson ranch. Yeah. But like you, Ed, I did not see. Well, and that we should history. have. We totally should yeah, have. Like, I did not Hitler. see Why the history changing ending coming, and it was just it was so perfect in so many ways. Especially because we're we're forgetting like the key part of why that ending is so great it's not just because it's over the top violence and it changes history and it's like a, like a win for the good guys and the fucking Manson killers are, are just brutally murdered they're tripping balls in that <laughs> final scene he well, is Brad, so Brad, drunk no, yeah Brad, yeah, sorry, Brad yeah, is, oh, his yeah. Caprio is so drunk yeah, they're, they're just shit faced in the like, that enti- and it's so great yeah. on so many levels like everything about it is just 
so perfectly done, and it's just an amazing cap to an, an incredible movie. Like, I, I like when he goes and he's got the cigarette case. Yeah. And he takes <laughs> yeah. the acid dipped cigarette and he goes, Is tonight the night? Yeah, is he tonight goes, the night? Why not? Why not? <laughs> and oh, it's just, it's one of those scenes where if you have never, ever done a psychedelic drug in your life, you may not understand it, but if you ever have done a psychedelic drug in your life, you're like, Yep. Yeah, you're that's like, what it feels that's like. That's exactly <laughs> what happens. You're like, that's that's what it feels yeah. like. It's so great. Like, like when, in the end, when he goes, "Hey, hey, I know you." Yeah, he's yeah. like, "I know the guy you." Guy shows up at his door. He's like, "I know you." And he goes, he, he goes, eat shit. Nah, your name was way stupider than yeah. that. <laughs> like, something ridiculous like that. It's just such a good scene. Uh, so well done. Well, so um, for those of you keeping score, we've got we've got. Uh, in the realer than real, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Inglorious Bastards, Hateful Eight, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, and True Romance, uh, as well as Natural Born Killers. Uh, in the movie movie universe, you've got Kill Bill, From Dust Till Dawn, Django Unchained, Death Proof, Planet Terror, and Four Rooms, and then all of the Robert Rodriguez stuff, which would be Machete, Shark Boy and Lava Girl, the El Mariachi. Um, they would all be within the the movie movie universe spy kids spy kids and we didn't even I just, mention i love that spy kids is the, yeah is is the overly violent society <laughs> that spawns the natural born killers are the same people that will go and watch spy kids as the family film i just love, love that and we didn't even mention that romeo michelle's high school reunion oh, has yeah. both a big kahuna burger and some of the uh, red, apple red apple cigarettes, cigarettes. yeah exactly. Exactly. so that's just one of the movies they also watch exactly yeah. when they're not killing people they're watching uh a high school reunion movie. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's actually it's a touching story. Would also be in the movie movie universe. Yeah. <laughs> Alternate programming. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That's like that's like your CW. That's like, <laughs> CW <laughs> programming like, in the realer than real universe. Eight o'clock on CW. They show Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. That is it for episode four. Yeah, let us Kevin know what you Father. think. Definitely, uh, you know, comment on our, our Instagram page. It's usually the best way to reach us. Put a comment down. Uh, in If you like the podcast, let us know. Uh, let us know your thoughts. If, if there's any that you think should be in a different universe, do you think Natural Born Killers should be movie movie? Do you think Django should be uh, realer than real? Where do you guys sit? Where do you guys fit? Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, and you can find us. We're now available on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. You can find all the places that we're available to stream and download at Canon with one N, CanonFodderPodcast.com. Uh, you can reach out to our Instagram and everything through that website. So just go to CanonFodderPodcast.com and then join us next week when we talk about the View Askew Universe. Cannot oh, wait. The View Askew Universe. These are three Jersey boys, so we're going to get deep into oh, that. Oh, that one we're going to get real one. deep into. <laughs> yeah, we're going to hear some some personal stories. There's a there's a, quite a touching scene uh, on the uh, the swings in Red Bank that that happens in yep. Chasing Amy. Yep. That was quite influential to my life in a very different way. <laughs> so get ready for some explicit content on next week's episode. Until then, my name is Ed, and I'm Matt, and I'm Anthony, and this is Cannon, Cannon Fodder. Fodder. I missed that part. <laughs>